Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Which Kelly are you? Edward. People call me Ned. I photograph what my conscience asks me to. Mad Max 2. It's my kind of movie. Shut up! Shut up! Your friend can't come back, Sarge. Oh, he's disabled. I'm this carer. You're blind. He's an equal opportunity employer. The kids who are sick cannot do the hip hop anymore. G'day folks and welcome to another episode of The Curb. My name is Andrew Pierce, and this is a podcast that takes a look at Australian films, Australian culture and everything in between. This podcast is recording the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region and I pay respects to the elders both past, present and emerging. On this particular episode, I catch up with filmmakers Addison Heath and Jasmine Jacoupi, whose latest film, My Cherry Pie, is going to be screening on the online festival A Night of Horror, which is launching this week in October. I'm going to stick all the details in the show notes below, but this is a film festival for all those horror-loving fans out there. This is the the festival that you really need to check out and see. There is a whole bunch of underground films and uh, lesser-known horror films that are, are on there and that are really worth your time. And one of the films, I mean, long-time listeners of the show will know that I love talking about Australian films. And My Cherry Pie is a lovely little Australian film that actually really wonderfully plays in the horror genre, playing with a whole bunch of different horror tropes, which you'll hear about we talk in this particular interview uh, in a moment. And I tell you what, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the visual style. I enjoyed the the uh, score, the performances are wonderful as well. Most importantly, I think the script is really great. Addison Heath's script is great too. Uh, it's very, very pitch black comedy here. Um, quite a, a, a dark film in a lot of ways, but the comedy is, is really, really spot on. And the costume design, excellent as well. Really enjoyed that too. Um, it is a, a bit of a treat to watch this particular film and I, I really enjoyed it. And as you listen in this particular interview, you'll find out from both Addison and Jasmine what their suggestions are for those who are going to be watching this film at home. What's the best setup for you to watch this film at home? Right, that's enough from me. You have a nice slice of what my cherry pie is all about in this interview with Addison and Jasmine. <laughs> Because it's an audio uh, podcast, if you could both introduce yourselves for the listeners would be fantastic. Okay. <laughs> Total frog in the fr- in the throat. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm still at 
I'm Jasmine Jakuvi, um, co-director of My Cherry Pie, along with... I'm Addison Heath. I'm the co-director and writer of My Cherry Pie. Congratulations on the film, guys. It's it's really good. It's, oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. It's a nice dive into, well, a whole bunch of different horror genres in a lot of ways. Uh, so yeah. I guess I, I want to jump into that to start off with. Um, the blend of literally everything, like 70s aesthetic, the giallo... Uh, aesthetic, um, there's a whole bunch yeah. of brutal violence, bleak humour and things like that. Yeah. Where did the idea come from? Was it to kind of play with these different genres of horror? Um, yeah, like definitely. That was sort of the thing was how we how can we make a movie that from the outset we went into it wanting to make a slasher movie but we could throw in sort of all those elements into a blender and see what we come up with. Because I, I guess sort of where it started was there's a film from 1974 that was on the um, video nasties list called Axe. It's also mm. called Lisa Lisa in some countries. And I hired a, me and Dylan, who Dylan Heath, who plays the um, plays Jack in the film. He's one of the main criminals in the film. We um, uh, grew up together watching movies and we hired a movie on VHS called California Axe Massacre. That's what it was called for, for at my video store, at least. And I remember we hired it being big fans of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we were like, this movie is... Like, when, when I first saw it as a kid, I was like, this movie's nothing like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is terrible. <laughs> um, and then it was a film that when I I watched it again, I was like, oh, hang on, there's like... It's actually a really cool plot going on here, which is sort of a similar thing, where it's basically a group of criminals are forced to flee the city and they find themselves in an unknown sort of, uh, you know, a horror, horror-centric horror location. So it almost starts as like a 70s crime film and turns into a horror film. So I was like, well, I love that idea. And I and I, I haven't really seen that done in Australia, especially something that we could we could do something that could be a nod to like 80s exploitation sort of crime cinema. And then it gets interrupted by, you know, a, a, an early 80s slasher movie. That's kind of where the original idea came from. Yeah, and I think, like, we're no strangers to, like, a genre mashup. So I think that, you know, we love so many different elements of film and we just think that it's a new way to kind of mm. combine different things to get different results. And so definitely the um, yeah. interruption was, like, a and really important you know, kickoff for us. Totally. And the other thing being as well that, like, in the original, original script for My Cherry Pie, it was uh, the criminal shop just at a farmhouse. You know, we, we, we'd written it as a farmhouse because we had no idea we could get that location. Yeah. That came after. And then when we visited the location, we are like, oh, my God. Like, I just started rewriting, you know, <laughs> basically that entire part onward because I was like, this feels like something from, like, a Dario Argento movie or a Lucio Fulci movie. Like, this is going to be cool if we just blow this out in red lights and green lights and give it this, like, you know, otherworldly sort of – like. At night, we knew that place could look like a giallo nightmare. So we just thought, well, that's totally the style that we'll lean into. Yeah, and it's a vast contrast too because we utilise a lot of like grimy elements for the crime component. Mm. So, yeah, it's a nice kind of pairing. Yeah, it's cool to do the sort of neons and and try to make that stuff look like, yeah, like a beautiful nightmare the way, yeah, the the giallo films of the 70s would, yeah, would evoke. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about the the costume of the killer as well because that kind of skews towards the the whole giallo aspect too. It's this, you know, yeah. 
this brilliant kind of uh, Halloweenish costume. Where did the design come from? Where was the idea for that for? Well, we were really fortunate enough to work with costume designer Noelle, yep. um, and she is just amazing to work with. Her and Jane. We had two people that basically helped us design that costume. In the script, again, it started as something much smaller, and then when you get to, when we got to the hospital, we started realizing, well, that would be cool. And then the plague doctor uh, mm. aesthetic worked into it being a an, like sort of an old hospital. So yeah. we thought that would be cool. Um, and James mm. James comes in to play in terms of like the mask quite heavily. Mm. So he is a, a mask maker, leather yeah. worker yeah. Um, from Melbourne, and yeah. So we wanted to incorporate both of their skills that they have, and they work together really well. Um, to create this character. Um, so it was really fun for us to, like, have a vague idea but then really watch it take shape in terms of, yeah. like, location influences and both Noel and James' kind of style. And, and really, the, like you said, the giallo aesthetic being the black leather gloves, which is a really cool, that's such Tick, a, that's you know. a, that's a <laughs> boxing. The wide brim hat is sort of a box that you tick with that reminds me of films and not even just Jolly films, like even some of those early 80s slasher movies, like a film called Pieces was a yeah. big influence for us. Um, yeah. That's what yeah. I was thinking of as well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's probably, to be honest with you, like Motel Hell, Pieces, and kind of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 were the biggest influences on us for this film. So we wanted to, and, and definitely the, the killer's aesthetic in Pieces was hugely influential, so yeah. Yeah. With all of that in mind, one of the things which I'm really impressed by, because, you know, I watch a lot of films and you see a lot of films that are inspired by other films and you go, all right, well, it's clear that you're wearing those inspirations on your sleeve, but where's your personality coming through? Mm. But with My Cherry Pie, it's like all of those inspirations are there and it's it's clear and it's great to kind of play in that genre and, you know, see all of those inspirations there from the different genres. But the personality of both of you is so clear in the script and in the direction and in the performances that are drawn out. How do you find that balance? How do you manage to straddle that line comfortably? Well, I mean, as far as the writing goes, um, I've been fortunate to work, like I've worked on, uh, we've, we've made a lot of films together. I've worked on other films. Um, so I've been able to sort of go through genres a little bit and that's really how I, I was able to sort of, I feel like I was able to find my writing voice a lot on those other films. And then, so when it comes to, you know, like tackling a new genre, like the slasher giallo thing, it's just like, it just sort of, that voice kind of comes naturally in a lot of ways. Like I, I, I pretty much always want things to be as funny as they can be. Yeah. Um, so I think you know, that's where a lot of personality comes. Yeah, from. is that and and I just think that me and Jasmine love Australian comedy and the in, and the sort of intricacies of uh, Australian dialogue that can be yeah. just funny and like and 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 because this film was a throwback as well um, to you know 1981 was a huge influence for us in terms of dialogue and things like that. That was like added in to yeah. that you know slang of the times, and I yeah. find that just. Australian slang itself is a form of humour, so it's like yeah. it really kind of... And also a lot of films of that era as well, like like political correctness didn't <laughs> exist at that yeah, point, so we never had to be too concerned about, oh, is this going to upset people? Because it's like, well, but all of those films would now, you know? <laughs> so, like, we didn't... Yeah, it, it felt like, yeah, it felt like open border a little bit as far as 
not having to be too concerned about offending anybody because it's like that's sort of par for the course with this type of film. So, yeah. yeah. But the thing I like about that is that, you know, the the characters are relatively unlikable. We like them. You know, we enjoy spending Mm. time with them, but they're all pricks or they're all, you know, killers or they're all evil people. So it's it makes sense that they would say and do the things that they do. And it yeah. gives you a bit of that free reign to be able to do those, I guess, un-PC oh, things. Yeah. Oh, really? 100%. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing that we we talked about as well is like, you know, like they, they, like I remember reading in like screenwriters books and things like that when I was studying years ago, like things like, you know, um, the best stories are good versus evil. And they'll say things like that. It's like, we wanted to make a movie that was bad versus evil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we start you off with bad and then you meet something much sicker and darker the further you get into the film. So that was kind of enough. Yeah. That, that also puts you in a position of like, you can have so much fun with the writing of it because you're not trying to manipulate an audience into like rooting for these guys. These guys are scumbags yeah. and we get to, and that, and that can be, that just, I think that means that as an audience, I think you can root for the movie more than you can for the characters. <laughs> and that's sort of what we wanted to try to do. Yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of the, like, fun element that we wanted to bring into as a spectator is like it's kind of like you know who are you rooting for you find yourself you know rooting. yeah and if and if we can manage to flip you and have you actually go oh now i kind of want these guys you know like that's a that's a really cool place to try to put an audience as well it's 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 interesting to like show characters doing the worst things to begin with and can we flip that around and by the end of it actually have you wanting them to come through you know that that can be that's can be trickier of a of a of a uh, like a, a I guess a it's like a wire walk of screenwriting. It's like can we do this without pushing it too far into one or the other? Yeah. Um, which is yeah, that's just again, that's just that is just having fun writing it and and making it. Yeah. But how do you like? What kind of direction do you give the actors to ensure that they're meeting that script at that level as well. I mean, it's, it's obviously it's on the page, but to ensure that they're delivering that kind of heightened uh, comedy aspect of the characters there, how do you, what, what kind of directions do you give them? Well, we were lucky enough to like have a lot of kind of zoom rehearsals and things like that. So we were able to kind of, particularly with the criminals, like we would kind of separate, I guess the elements of the film and work them Mm. separately. Mm. So we would work with the main three criminals of the film and really get that natural banter, that vibe that there is a history with those characters. Mm. Mm. So once we had that base, it was really kind of about introducing them together. It also helps as well that those three actors have known each other for so long that they do have a real friendship. That They went into the film already friends, already had worked together on other shorts and little things and, like, we were friends with all of them. So it was a thing that when they got the script, it didn't take that much pushing with yeah. them to get them in the right place. I mean, the 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 guy that was the... Glenn Maynard, who plays Edwin Crow, plays the, like, the um, uncle, Uncle Ed at the uh, hospital... He's the, he was really fun to work with. We, I got to write a film that he did called Chocolate Strawberry Vanilla in 2012. So we'd worked together heaps and I'd known him previously, but he's that type of guy that you kind of just bring in as like, he's almost like a Nicolas Cage. Like you just bring yeah. him in and just <laughs> let him go. Yeah. And he'll, will, he will give you that kind of, that crazy performance. So we, we just tried to make sure that, 
anyone we cast were people that we knew would come in and totally get the material. Yeah. So it didn't actually take that much, like, sort of directing gymnastics to get anybody to that. Like, they knew, the, the criminals knew, like, we're kind of living in the same world as Chopper here. You know, this is kind of where we're going. And, and you know, Glenn Maynard has such a great reference for 70s and 80s horror films that he knows exactly the type of, yeah. you know. And, like, you know, Trudy Rennick isn't a big, you know, horror fanatic. So for her it was just a matter of, like, you know. Oh, just being animals. honest, yeah. It was just, like, that. I mean, the movie's called My Cherry Pie. She plays Cherry. She's the yeah. heart of the entire movie. So... We just wanted to get the best actress for that role and the person that we just knew would bring a real honesty and, a, and, and groundedness to because everyone else is so big. You wanted a groundedness from her and, and she was the perfect person for that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like we had worked with her previously <coughs> on a film called Good Girl Lola during lockdown and that was an improv film, you know, remote kind of film mm. and um, that was really good to have that relationship build up there and to see how she works and it was really fun as well for everyone involved to like, you know, bring what they wanted to, to the table. Yeah. So it was an open invitation where yeah. we're very big on collaboration. So if anyone mm. has an idea, it's like, we've, we're going to explore it because yeah. you never know what you're going to get. So yeah. I think um, a lot of the actors and, had a lot of fun. with. And also the, the thing was like, Trudy came into it, not knowing us as well. Like we, we had worked together, but it was all via, it was virtually done. So it wasn't the same sort of on set thing. So she had to come into like a big group of people that knew each other and knew what they were doing. So it would have been intimidating. And then like, and then, you know, like by the end of the shoot, she, I won't spoil the line, but she has a line in the film that for me, for my money is like one of the funniest lines in the film it was totally improvised by her, made up by her on set. So she, we, you know, I think at first she probably walked in a bit like, Oh, what is going on here? <laughs> and by the end of it totally felt like part of the film family and yeah. was like, on board for the human and what we yeah. were doing and like you know so yeah, yeah so we were really happy with her she's she's amazing yeah and i like how as well you're saying that you know she needs to kind of be the the subdued aspect of the film as opposed mm. to all of the the really over the top characters but then she has her over the top moments later on oh, yeah. which are yeah. like she just you can see on the on the screen that she's like absolutely relishing those moments as well she's like i'm yeah. able to yeah. get let loose here which is fantastic exactly. yeah that's exactly right like yeah that, that's actually a really valid point that everyone else comes in at 11 <laughs> you know what i mean and she she we, we actually have to make her wait a little bit to have her yeah. moment of yeah yeah and then it's yeah it's, it's funny stuff yeah yeah so I want to talk about the look of Freddy, uh, well, Soteris, who is just so, like, he's a delight in the film. The yeah. clear decision to base him on Roger Ward there is, you know, really impressive. Um, what was the kind of discussion? Did you did you say to him, right, you, we're going to make you look like Roger. Can you kind of meet his kind of acting <laughs> level as well? Uh, yeah, look, I think Satiriority kind of lends himself to that yeah. look anyway, the sort of brute ma male look. Like when we first um, were doing the read-throughs and everything, obviously at the start of the movie you see Satiri and his hair is longer and stuff. So we knew that... Um, like We he, wanted to form it into something. Yeah, we were like, you know, he starts <laughs> coming out of prison and then we get to see him transform back into himself. And, yeah. I mean, the 80s Aussie, when I think of the 80s Aussie tough guy, it's, it's Roger Wolf. I mean, that is the, that's the quintessential uh, Australian tough guy of that era. So, yeah, I mean, that's the best way to lean into yeah, it. Yeah, you know? and, and also the boys had a lot of fun influencing each other in terms of 
what stylings they should go mm. for. Like mm. I would throw out some really silly ideas because mm. I knew that if I like threw something out at 200%, I could rein it in to maybe... To be workable, yeah. <laughs> what I wanted initially. <laughs> yeah. So we would throw out these crazy ideas and then after a few beers of courage, the boys were like yeah. into those characters. And it was really funny because once they, you know, got those haircuts and those trims in... Mm they just turned into those characters. So it's really funny how like little details like that can really bring out more elements as well. But yeah, Satiri is is so great. And he really knows, like that was the thing, like I wrote the film, me and him had worked together and he'd had like smaller parts on our films, but I'd always been chatting to him and being like, one day, man, one day I'm going to write that film (laughs) when you're like the lead guy in it. It's going to be really fun. So finally it was like, we've we've got to do that. And yeah, this couldn't have, it was written to his strengths, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, Satiri's a really funny, uh, competent actor. Like he's a great actor, but um, he, he he can just bring in an energy that was perfect for that role, this sort of violent energy, this, you know, and, and that was, that was kept, a lot of him bringing that in. Yeah, and it kept everyone on their toes because when yeah. you have that to bounce off of as, as well, like you don't really know which way he's going to swing this yeah, take. And it, yeah. like, you know. And it's the same with Glenn Maynard. It's like you, you, you get a couple, I think if you place a couple of those sorts of actors in, these kind of firecracker actors that can come in and just, that they're going to bring their own stuff and it's going to be really interesting. It's kind of cool to put them in with actors that are like, you know, good with improv. You know, that was why Tim and Dylan are so, they're, they're both actors that come from improv backgrounds. So you get them in with Satiri because you know they're just going to go with him. You know, and, and same with with Glenn. You, so when you put all those people together, it just yeah, it, you can you can sort of mold it into what we needed it to be. Yeah, yeah. So this is screening via the A Night at Horror Film Festival, which is a, has great lineup of films there. Um, for you know parts of Australia, obviously Victoria, you know, going to be in lockdown. What do what would you recommend for people who are going to be watching this at home? What's the ideal kind of night to create around this film? Oh, well, look, I'm not going to lie. A little bit of devil's <laughs> lettuce isn't going to kill you. A little bit of devil's lettuce that this film is going to enhance it. I promise you it enhances it. Um, a couple of beers. I look, the, look, the main thing I would say is I'm so excited about A Night of Horror and Bryn's done a brilliant job oh, yeah. and it's amazing that we're able to show the film. Yeah. The only thing I would really ask is try your hardest not to watch it on your phone. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, and it's easy to do. It's an easy thing to just go, oh, I'm just cool. I'll just watch it. And like, please try to get it going on. Uh, it, it is a really a much better film to watch on the largest screen you can in the with the loudest wow. sound that you can. You know, we had a great sound design created for the film, and I think... Great you know, music as well. Yeah, I think it's got a really cool soundtrack. A re- uh, you know, if you like the type of... You know, if, if any of the visuals have made you think, oh, that's going to be a Jalo movie, just wait till you hear the music. You know, this is something where it's it, it's it, just try to watch it on the biggest screen you can and feel free to have a few drinks. And, you know, yeah, again, a bit of devil's lettuce is not going to be the worst thing for you yeah. <laughs> with, with this film. <laughs> you know, we just want to have fun and we want, we, we want you to have fun watching how much fun we had making the film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I watched it on. I've got a seventy-two inch screen, surround sound, and all that at home. So, because uh, I watch obviously a lot of films, review a lot of films and stuff like that, and okay. so try and do it in the most respectful way possible. And it, it looks stunning on the big screen. Awesome. And that score, Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's yeah. talk about that score for a moment because it's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did you come about 
like creating it and and what kind of direction did you give for the score um you well, go ahead on this one yeah i think um you know is it okay if i smoke a cigarette of course <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. sorry i didn't want to be that guy smoking a, you know it's, i feel like a bit of a dickhead doing that but we can't help ourselves sorry <laughs> perfectly um, fine <laughs> in terms of soundtrack we're really lucky to work with um the screaming meanies jesse Becker and thomas we've got pusha which is Jacob Richards. Yeah. And then we also have the other featuring artists like Tim Jason Wicks, who's yeah, also he's an the actor. actor. The guy who plays yeah. Green did some of the music. And um, you know along the... with Damien Vanell, who um, is also an actor in the film. Yeah, plays Jimmy the Fruit's partner. Yeah. Um, and we also had the um, the two Eastern European backpackers at the end of the movie. Um Sasha, Sa- Sasha also contributed music. So it was a lot of people, but with the main people being um, the Screaming Meanies and uh, Jacob Richards. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, we were so, like, we were already excited to hear what these guys were going to do. They know the genre. They're fans of Giallo, especially um, John Carpenter. Screaming Meanies. The, the John Carpenter sort of waves down his stuff. So we knew that they they kind of knew what we wanted, and then they just delivered, like, they kept sending me stuff, and I was like, this is amazing. And they would bounce like, back and forth and, like, sample yeah. each other's work and work it all in together. So it's like, you know, it was really interesting to see happen because, again, it's all just virtually, and then you just get these things sent to you, like, oh, mm. check this out. You know, it's a, a draft, and you're just like, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Like, <laughs> we can just use that right now. Yeah, like, like, yeah, keep going with that. You know, they were they were amazing with that sort of stuff. You know, and, and the thing is when you edit, you typically will use like, you know, I try my hardest not to because I know it's the bane of every sound designer's and uh, sound and um, uh, composers, it's the bane of their existence is using temp music yeah. because they always go, well, you're going to use like, you know, people go, you're going to use Danny Elfman temp music. Well, that sounds amazing. You know, like it's, and if, a lot of directors can get stuck in that, in feeling that, well, I, uh, I want some, I'm never going to get something as good. We would use like bits of temp music and then the music they would supply would be so much better. And I was like, oh, this is, this even, this brings it out even more. It was never a thing of like, oh, I hope they can give me something that's even half as good as the temp music. It was always better yeah. and, and stronger and would, would suit the visual aesthetic it was just brilliant with those guys yeah so did they did they have a a film to score to or did you just give them a vibe of what the scene was going to be and say look it's going to be about this long we need music that fits this pretty much that's that's how it would go because the thing that's amazing about um jesse who's the screen is he lives up in um in the uh, sunshine coast um we've worked with him on everything so we made a movie a few years back on Mondo Yakuza that he did that almost had like a spaghetti western sort of sounding score. We knew he was capable of doing a lot of, you know, he can he can handle it all. So yeah, well, you know, you start telling him, oh, you know, think about Lucio Fulci, think about Dario Argento, Goblin. and the Goblin scores and stuff, and he knows exactly where you're going with that. So yeah, a lot of the time it would be, you know, I just wanted to give those guys as much freedom as possible, and they would send us music while we were like shooting the film. So we would, I would hear things go, oh, listen to how cool this is, and that would start to give you ideas of how stylistically we could go so a lot of their stuff fed into the actual making of the film yeah and i think also rhythmically too like 
Addison edits as well. Mm. And I handle some post-production too. So we have a lot of um, like foresight for when we're shooting and on set. And in terms of getting sound while we're shooting, it's like we know now what kind of rhythm that we're needing and what things that now we might need to introduce with this style that now this is introduced. Um, So, yeah, it's really interesting to kind of see like live editing and our brains kind of. Yeah. As we're shooting. As yeah. we're shooting. Yeah, we're always thinking of the edit. And, um, and yeah, and that and Jesse and, and Jacob just delivered some really unbelievably layered and, yeah, it was just, it was a very, I'm looking forward to, I'm really looking forward to hearing how people feel about that soundtrack because mm. from the people that have viewed it, I haven't had anybody see the movie yet who hasn't said, and that soundtrack is amazing. And it's like, it, it, I think it really is. So, um, that's again why I really encourage people not to watch it on their phone and to watch it with as as loud a sound as you can mm-hmm. because it's it sounds great. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. So, you filmed this kind of during a, a lockdownish period, is that right? Yeah, uh, so it was between. like it was right in between. Like we 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 literally went up to because we filmed it about three hours from Melbourne. Um, the bulk of the film, uh, all the, there's obviously a bunch of stuff shot in Melbourne, but there's uh, we shot for like eight days up in Stall, uh, so about three hours out of Melbourne. And um, uh, we were fortunate enough to have yeah. just like a completely enclosed location that was ours the entire time. But so. we we also weren't in lockdown at that point. No. When we shot, we we shot, we got right in the sweet spot of like as right. Soon as must, we're a bit flexible. That's yeah, when we, we went we straight and did out. it, and. Um, and then any other sort of pickup day shots, it was we we got it in that sweet spot. So um, that was lucky. really lucky um, because we start thinking about you know if we were halfway through it with what's going on now, like that would that right now we wouldn't be comfortable shooting anything. Yeah. Um, and and we we were fortunately in a position where things were open back up by the time we shot. So yeah, we had to work real quick and get it done. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. So as as indie filmmakers as well, is it like, does the indie landscape or the the feeling of being an indie filmmaker kind of prepare you for that kind of environment of basically having to pivot on the go? Yeah, I think that was a massive advantage. Um, You know, you looked at, at the time, a lot of big budget films were not shooting and were shutting down. Yeah. You know, people were getting, you know, four or five days into their shoot and shutting down because the crew's too big. Um, we come from a, like, I mean, and the thing about it is like, for us, this is the biggest crew we've ever worked with. So <laughs> yeah. we felt like it was huge, but, um, you know, cause we, we really are used to having, you know, basically no one with, with you. And this one had a crew. Yeah. So for us, it was a huge jump up, right. but, um, but yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I think it, I think having that background of sort of doing a lot of the things yourself was, it's a fortunate place to be now. Yeah. And like, we were really lucky yeah. to have everyone in our crew you know wearing multiple hats like everyone was on the same page and you know really happy to be able to to make something in this time so there were a lot Mm. of things that in many ways we were kind of used to already battling kind of an uphill battle even without coronavirus (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so it was um you know besides you know the COVID protocols it was like you know new challenge let's get it done yeah yeah well it's a really great film and and you both have, you know, something 
really to be proud of. I, I hope that because yeah, thank you. You know, as, as you're mentioning, Australia doesn't really do slashes or giallo films all that often. So I know that you kind of, Addison, you kind of uh, skip between genres in in a lot of different ways. But I, I kind of want to see more slasher films. So <laughs> oh, hey, to be look, I'll tell you right now, this is that making my cherry pie has been the most fun and rewarding project we've ever been involved with. So I I totally agree. I mean, I I. To be to be completely honest with you, I'd love to make I'd love to make a sequel to my cherry pie. Me and Jasmine have have had actual discussions. Actual discussions have gone into the idea of making an Australian disco slasher. So we've got a lot of things that we want to do. You know, we, we you know we, can we do something like prom night? Something at a high school that's like a disco. How about that? And I was like, oh, you could have a disco ball killer head. That would be cool. And it's like, it's so silly. It's just, it's, it's just opening up that imagination because, yeah, I mean, like, like you said, Australia. It's just in the in the current climate we're in, we're just not making movies like that. It's just not really getting done. Yeah. So you need someone to come along and do that. Yeah, stuff, you know? and I like, think like you know, in the current climate as well, in terms of audience, you know, you want to see something that's a bit just fun and exciting and takes your mind off of everything that's going on right now. So you don't really want to settle into something that's like a total hard drama. You know, I want to watch something really silly and fun and, you know, that's what relaxes me. And I know that there's people out there that are like me that want to watch movies like this. Yeah, that's like a a sort of form of escapism. So I kind of feel like there's... You know, for me, it's 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 um, there's room for all of that stuff, and I just don't feel like we're getting enough on the other end of that. You know, mm. like I'm, you know, I, I love watching a drama that that sucks me and it makes me feel the story and feel those emotions. And I also like watching, you know, Halloween Four, you know, and Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, and movies like I love watching movies like that and just chucking them on and having a good time. Yeah, uh, and I just feel like you know, Australia could do with a movie like that every now and then, you know, like it's not the worst thing to do that. So, yeah. 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 I completely agree. Well, I love Australian films. That's my focus for the website. And, yeah. um, you know, looking at the films that are up for the actor awards this year, I'm like, there's kind of this, they're all pretty good, but there's this kind of samey vibe to them that it's a drama or it's, you know, it's uh, yeah. whatever. And it's like, okay, I want something like my cherry pie to kind of, cut through the, the, the mix and be like, look at this, watch this and have a good time. Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly what it did. So yeah, congratulations awesome. to you both. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, that really means a lot to hear that. Yeah, definitely. For us still, that's the thing is that we're, because it's the virtual festival as well, it's like everything we're learning about people seeing the film is all just from home and like with emails. Like normally like when we're playing at a festival where it's, it's we're there, at the, you can feel the vibe yeah, of it. you can so read the room. This is a really strange new place to be, but I'm excited about it. I actually think it's it's an exciting, um, you know, especially for someone that deals with anxiety, it's an exciting, I don't have to be like, I'm not face-to-face with people that are like hating the movie. You know, like that's going to be nice to like anyone who hates it can just hate it on their own. You know? like, I don't need to hear about it. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the people are going to yeah, watch well, and have a good time. Yeah. Of course, I go straight to the most uh, pessimistic outlook of it. <laughs> that's what anxiety does. That's what anxiety does. It, it, it leads you straight there. But yeah, I know what yeah. that's like. And, and yeah, you've made something good. So congratulations to you both. Awesome. No, I really appreciate that. Really, really appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll wrap up the interview there. Uh, 
but I think that this is going to be good and I'm really excited. I haven't caught all of the films that are going to be at the festival, but I'm excited to see uh, what else is screening. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I'm going to do, I mean, that's it. I mean, I've got so much time. I, I want to watch everything. Yeah. So um, the one film I did want to um, give a shout out to, though, that I've just had some Twitter response with them, but their film looks amazing, is the documentary uh, The Brilliant Terror, mm-hmm. a, a Brilliant Terror or The Brilliant Terror, about grassroots uh genre filmmaking in the states those guys are awesome and their Mm -hmm. film looks amazing so i can't that's i mean all of them look great but that's the one i'm really really excited to um to watch yeah yeah that's gonna be really has has there been anything kind of new or exciting that you guys have discovered while you've been locked down well like everyone um we i mean and this happened yesterday and yeah this is a broken record but we finally watched squid game on Netflix, yeah. and it's unbelievably cool. Uh, we thought that was really great. Although, if I'm being totally honest, I did really, really like it. I just didn't. There was one element of it that I didn't appreciate, and I don't know if I, I want to spoil it. But the, oh, go ahead, the go VIP, ahead. Everybody's seen it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the VIPs were a little bit over the top for me. Yeah, the, the American I was characters more interested in, it. in everything. Else. As soon as they come in, I was like, "Oh, go back." The Korean actors are way better, and like their story is way better. So yeah. that was the only thing. It but I did think the show overall was amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, James Gunn's—I mean, it came out a little while ago—but James Gunn's Suicide Squad for a big popcorn release, I thought was really good. Um, what else have we TV seen? TV shows, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, the TV series, yeah, is amazing. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, great. It's, it's just, really sweet. It yeah. makes that was a great thing to watch in lockdown. You know, where where life's feeling fairly bleak, and then you can watch a show where it's so lovely and optimistic. That was a thing that was great. Um, and the thing that I am so excited for that uh, obviously I haven't seen it yet, but I'm so excited for Halloween Kills. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so excited to see that. I mean, I know everyone's whinged about the trailer giving away too much, but for me, it's just like any like I love Michael Myers, and I just want to see that character. So I'm yeah. very excited for that. The shame about the cinema experience. Yeah, I'm gonna one. gonna have to watch that on Peacock or whatever it is. But um, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I hope it all goes a bit. I mean, it's so hard. Like I, I'm here in Perth, so I I say this all the time when I interview people who are over in Sydney and Melbourne, and less so Sydney yeah. now. But it's like. I've got no idea what it's like for you guys, but my heart goes out to everybody. It's, yeah, I mean that's it. You you'll be able to go to see Halloween at the theater, won't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is like, it's a bit, it's a bit crazy. Like I've I've been, I went and watched all all the President's Men last night, and I was just like, you know, which was fantastic first time seeing that, and that was brilliant. Yeah. But you yeah. sit there, and every time I go and see a movie, especially you go and see press screenings, I'm just like, I feel very fortunate. It, it is. It is a very, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I do. But it's something I, I don't take for granted because I know so many of the, the Eastern States folks have just not yeah. had that pleasure. Yeah. And the, 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 that's the thing is you go back to 2019 and no one ever would have thought of that. Like, and that's the thing that annoys me is that I feel like I took it for granted for years and would be like, oh, yeah, I'll go see that. And then just not seeing it and eventually seeing something. It's like as soon as we get back to normal, I'm seeing everything at the theatre. <laughs> Because it's like, I miss that so much. I didn't realise how much I would miss it until you don't have it. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, my God. Like, I think the last thing we saw at the theatre, the last thing we saw was a drive-in. Uh, we went to the drive-in theatre to see Kindergarten Cop. Yeah. That's the last thing I've seen at a big screen. So it's like, come on, man. Like, I need to see, you know, especially when 
you know, there are things like Halloween kills. I didn't get to see Suicide Squad at a big screen. Um, so it's, yeah, there were things that like, I would have loved to have seen that stuff. So it's, it's, yeah. As soon as we get back to normal, I never want to take that for granted again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Well, again, I hope it, I hope it happens soon for you all. And um, yeah. 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 I look it will. I'm sure it will. Yeah. <laughs> So, we're both yeah. back. So yeah, 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 we're both back. So we're we're you know, um, we're we're you know, we're we're confident that things will get will get okay again. You know, yeah. as long as um, yeah, as long as everyone just behaves. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The alternative yeah. is you could always just set up a pop up screen at the the horse races or something like that. That's a good yeah, one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Get get a yeah get a football team to play on the MCG and set up a screen over here. Yeah. You can have hundreds of thousands of people there. Yeah, yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why they're doing that, but anyway, it's um yeah, you know uh, again. I hope the cinemas open up and and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but thank yeah. you guys for this. I really appreciate it. I'm going to... Um, okay, thank you for taking the time with us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. As soon as I saw it come up, I was like, ah, oh, I need to chat to these guys. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. No, um, yeah, that was great. We had a really good time. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. There we are. Addison Heath and Jasmine Jacoby talking about their film, My Cherry Pie, which is going to be screening at the A Night of Horror International Film Festival. And if you want to find out more details, head over to anightofhorror.com and you can find all the details there. I tell you what, I mean, these online festivals are really fantastic and there is a heck of a lot of really great films that are screening there. And of course, you heard uh, both Addison and Jasmine recommend some of those uh, those films. Uh, I know that there is a few that I'm really keen on checking out and it's effectively the... Um, the short films as well, both the Australian shorts and the international shorts are ones that I'm really keen on checking out as well. So, you know, definitely a few other things. Chris Sun has a new film called The Possessed, which is going to be screening there as well. So, you know, it's fantastic. Really, really very affordable as well, uh, which is great to see. Again, a nightofhorror.com. Highly recommend checking out some horror content this October, this horror season. Thanks for listening, guys. I really hope you enjoyed this interview. Uh, I enjoyed bringing it to you. I have a couple more really exciting interviews coming up uh, over the next week as well, so make sure to keep your eyes tuned or ears tuned to thecurb.com.au for those. And also for people who have been tuning in to watch uh, New Gold Mountain, which literally just dropped on SBS On Demand and SBS Today, 13th of October. Uh, recording this intro and outro on a very apt day, the 13th. <laughs> uh, you can read a great review or interview, rather, I did with the director, Corey Chen, who is a lovely person to chat to, and it's a really fantastic series that I highly recommend people watch. Uh, you know, and certainly, as I mentioned in the interview just then, I've done with As uh, Addison and Jasmine talking about genre uh, films and TV in Australia. We don't kind of make enough of them. I love a lot of the films that have already been made here in Australia, and this year we've made a lot of great stuff. But it does kind of skew towards the drama quite a little bit, and you know that is my wheelhouse. That's my favourite kind of genre. I love that kind of stuff. Um, but on the same hand. Uh, I am kind of keen to see a little bit more genre fair and that's what My Cherry Pie is and that's what A Night of Horror delivers and in a way it's also what New Gold Mountain is it's genre, it's revisionist western 
So please seek these out, guys. Uh, check them out and make sure to watch them. All right, that is the sound of my dog barking in the background there saying, wrap up. People don't need to hear this anymore. They want to go and buy tickets to a Night of Horror. Nightofhorror.com. Uh, also, head over to patreon.com forward slash the Kobayu. As little as a dollar helps keep this website nice and independent. All right, guys. Take care of each other. See you in the next one. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Something grand is coming to Nemecolon. Opening fall 2023, the Grand Lodge will surprise and delight with 56 stunning suites and five-star butler services. Indulge in libations at the Circle Bar and the Study before you savor the new and enchanting Fawn and Fable restaurant, where the best parts of a traditional steakhouse and a fairy tale castle create a magical dining experience. With fine dining, a spa, and over 100 adventure, golf, art, and wildlife experiences, whatever your imagination holds, Nemecolon has the key. Visit nemecolon.com for more information.